Buckeyes are going to roll. I love the over. I think points are going to be scored. Last week, I went six of eight units, made a boatload of money. Clemson's going to put up 55 points by themselves. He's not the coach to get Penn State over the hump. He's going to throw some major money in this bet. I'm taking the over. Looking at where the models and the lines are running at least two scores difference. And then my staked in the boom lock of the week. This is the two-unit play. If you're going to bet with me, it's got to be good. Mickey, Scotty, you ready to go make our listeners some money? Good evening, listeners, and welcome to Sports Bets Fun. It's Saturday night, December 26th. We're recording the show live, and this podcast is going to drop later tonight on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. As our name suggests, we talk sports, we make bets, and we have some fun doing it all. In addition to our podcast, be sure to follow us on Twitter at SportsBetsFun, and check out SportsBetsFun.com for a fresh take on sports and sports betting content. I'm Maddie Money, and joining me is uh, one of our partners in crime, Mickey San Reno. Uh, Scotty B. Good is off tonight, uh, but he'll be back with us uh, later in the week. So, uh, Mickey, yesterday was Christmas, and I'm going to assume Santa was kind to you. Um, and of course, I know we had some action on some games. I know you had some action on some games. Uh, tell us, man, how, how how's everything going? Going well, uh, you know, talking about Santa, Santa's brought me some luck in the gambling game. I've been on a heater since Christmas Eve, winning five straight. Uh, we had a two and three start, a little herky-jerky to begin bowl season, but I'm now seven and three this week. I now know what it feels like to be Scotty Betts, Scotty, Scotty part-time since he doesn't quite make every episode, but Scotty's been betting on basketball. It's win, it's win, it's win, it's win, it's win. I, I feel that. I feel that energy this week. Tell you, King Midas, uh, Scotty Betts, and, and the college football game, and it feels good. So Christmas was good, Maddie. Uh, you know, how was Christmas in the money house? Uh, Christmas was great, and kids enjoyed their gifts and presents, and uh, Mrs. Money was, was happy with everything. And, you know, this week, just going into everything, uh, we rolled out the money bets model for NCAA men's basketball. You probably saw that on Twitter. Uh, for those of us, those of you that follow the show, uh, we tested it a few days uh, earlier in the week, and then rolled it out Wednesday. Went six and three picking games, and Scotty Betts and I, Scotty Be Good and I, collaborated on a on Northwestern uh, taking the points and uh, big two unit play, and that came up big. So that was uh, exciting to roll that model out and have that kind of success. And uh, and then today I had a collaboration with. Uh, some cappers, uh, three guys sports pick. Uh, they're on Twitter at 3G Sports Pick. So, uh, traded some direct messages back and forth this morning, kicked around some games, and talking with, uh, talking with them was pretty cool and put some picks out. And looking forward to doing that again, uh, here in the future at some point with, with those folks. So, it's been a great week, Mickey. And, uh, I'm kind of ready to get in the show, though. How about you? I'm, I'm ready to jump in, but, you know, I want to touch on a couple things. Absolutely pumped handicappers, helping handicappers. Love to see it. Glad we're collaborating across the uh, the handicapping sphere. Absolutely love Money Bets basketball. Pumped Money Bets football was a smashing success. I expect the same out of basketball. Can't wait to, to tail all the picks that, that you have going and the collabs you have with Scotty and the collabs you have across gambling Twitter. That's going to be an awesome time. But yeah, you know what Maddie said, we're, we're jumping into the show tonight. we got some uh, great stuff on tap. We're breaking down the college football playoff semifinals. We got the Rose Bowl. We got the Sugar Bowl. Uh, we're going to be talking other games of interest, primarily the New Year's Six Bowl games, uh, four other games outside of the playoffs that are big interest college football games. And then we can't leave you hanging uh, at the tail end of the show. We have our money-making picks. Uh, I'll be sharing some NFL bets. Maddie Money will be dropping some basketball picks. Uh, stay tuned for that. But, uh, yeah, Maddie, let's get going. What do we got? Yeah, well, let's look at the, the two big ones first, and we'll start with the Rose Bowl, which is instead of being played in Pasadena, it's going to be being played in Arlington, Texas, number one Alabama versus number four Notre Dame. Current line is, and all, and all these odds are from uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook, 
Um, Alabama is giving up 19 and a half points. That is a lot. Almost three touchdowns to Notre Dame. Money line, Bama is minus 1,050. Notre Dame's plus 630. The total right now is around 65 and a half points. So, Mickey, how are you seeing this one? You know, this is uh, an interesting one. Alabama has been the clear-cut best team in the country this year. Uh, you know, there's there's a stink over Notre Dame. I love betting Notre Dame this year. There's a big stink over them. You know, it dates back to 2012 when Bama blew them out 42-14 to 14 in the national championship game. Two years ago in the Cotton Bowl, in the very same stadium they'll be playing Alabama in. They lost 30-3 to to Clemson. And then last week's ACC championship game, they were blown out by Clemson as well. Uh, Will Notre Dame rise to the occasion and challenge Alabama the same way that maybe Florida did last week in the SEC? Will their their defense be able to slow the Alabama offense? Matty, will this game be close, or are we looking at another Alabama blowout? I think it's going to be another blowout. I'm not sure it's going to be 19 and a half point blowout and for a variety of reasons, um, points can be scored in garbage time. Nick Saban has, you know, a tendency sometimes in the second half, if they get up big to, you know, start running the ball and milking the clock. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, I think Bama is going to cruise in this one. Uh, but, you know, there are some things to keep an eye out for. You know, Notre Dame definitely has something to prove. They laid a big egg against Clemson in the ACC championship game after going toe-to-toe with them earlier in the season. Obviously, Clemson did not have Trevor Lawrence, and they were missing some players on defense. Uh, but then those of you watching the SEC game know Bama's starting center went down with an injury right towards the end of that end of that game. And um, I haven't seen the follow-up. I'll be I'll obviously look into that and track that, but it sounded like it was a knee injury. And if he's out, you know, center is a pretty important position. And, you know, does that maybe – create a little bit of an opening for Notre Dame's D line, uh, maybe a little bit of miscommunication. Could that lead to a turnover or a bad snap or something, you know, little things like that in a, in a game of this magnitude, um, you know, potentially could, could impact it. So, but you know, if, if you look at the keys to the game, Mickey, um, I'll give you Alabama's keys and I, and I'll let you jump on Notre Dame. Cause I know you, you've been following Notre Dame a lot this year, but if you're really looking Alabama continuing to get the explosive plays, they have a, a great core of receivers, Mac Jones has been phenomenal. They just have talent across the board. Um, and they're going to get those explosive plays, I believe. But if they keep doing that, they're going to be a tough, tough offense to, to contain. And then the question will be really, you know, will their defense rise up and shut down Notre Dame? You know, we saw against Florida, you can put some points up on the board against Alabama. And there have been a couple other teams that have put points up earlier in the season. Uh, but then up, you know, the last half of the season up until the SEC championship game, it looked like, Alabama's defense had, you know, maybe figured some things out, made some improvements and, and shut down a lot of teams down the stretch. Can they do that against Notre Dame or will Notre Dame be able to put up, you know, high twenties, 30 points, 35 points against them. And I think and this is sort of one of Alabama's calling cards. The other things I think, you know, they're just expected to dominate. And if you watch, you know, the game against Florida, they came out on fire, but then you know, early, you know, kind of third quarter, they took their foot off the gas and you wonder they've been able to coast to victories in the second half all season long. And we saw Florida creep back into it and had it as a one score game with, you know, frankly, a shot to shot to win it. Uh, if you get an onside kick or you, you, you make a play down the stretch, uh, is this going to be a team that jumps out to an early lead and can they stay focused down the stretch or do they potentially let uh, Notre Dame back into the game maybe in the second half or, you know, third quarter, fourth quarter type thing. So, uh, but if they, if they continue to dominate, if they stay focused all game long, it's going to be tough for Alabama not to come away with a win in this one. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. And I did just look it up. Landon Dickerson, the center for Alabama is not expected to play with a knee injury and you know, one, I thought his attitude when he was leaving the SEC championship game was one of the best attitudes of all time. The guy had a smile on his face being carted off and was hyping up his teammates to, to finish the game. But I digress in that. But you met, he raised interesting points on Alabama's keys to the game. You know that wide receiving core. You know in Najee Harris and Mac Jones' ability to spread the ball and, and find the mismatch in the passing game um, that Notre Dame's going to hit some explosive plays. They're going to score some points. So for Notre Dame is Ian Book. He needs to play his best game. All-time winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. 
you know, he doesn't, I don't think he's a better quarterback than a Kyle Trask and, and some of these NFL highly touted prospects that can pick apart a defense throwing the ball. But Ian Book's a crafty veteran that can make plays with his feet, can make plays in the passing game. Notre Dame's tight ends are as deep as any teams in the country's. You know, Book needs to play his best game, and they need to find these players that are going to allow them to keep moving the chains and, and make some some big plays on offense. Um, but, you know, if they're able to do that, if they're not able to do that, one of the big things that will help drive momentum for them is will their defense be able to slow Bama enough, especially early, to get a few stops, to give them confidence, to give them momentum. Um, we saw against Clemson in the game in South Bend earlier in November, they were able to get some stops and be able to get some confidence from their offense. But we saw when they played Clemson in the ACC championship game, um, as soon as Clemson hit the big pass play downfield late in the first quarter, Notre Dame had a couple uh, drives stall out immediately after. They lost all confidence and all momentum, and Notre Dame uh, wilted against the Clemson onslaught. So... Um, you know, Maddie, I agree with you. If we're talking about a prediction in this game, Alabama giving 19 and a half, it's tough to bet on a team favored by three touchdowns in a playoff game. Um, but uh, it's, you know, well, you know Mickey, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, 19 and a half is a lot. I would like to see that line come down under 17. Um, Florida has the offense with Kyle Trask to, to put up points. We kind of, you know, we saw Bama jump out at halftime was already covering the spread, but they took their foot off the gas. So that's, that's the one area that, that has me a little unsure. Now Florida had the offense to come back and put some points up and kind of what you were saying, Ian book needs to, you know, play the game of his life to, to really give Notre Dame a shot. Does that happen? I fully expect Bama to come out and be up by a couple scores at halftime. Um, do they keep that rolling? Do they win by, you know, 19 and a half or more points? I don't know, but if that line, moves down under 17 i definitely think bama is going to be the play um but that's still a big line i i may just stay away from this one just bama bama rolls but that's a, that's a lot of points to, and anything can happen in garbage time you take your foot off the gas you want to rest some players for the championship game and notre dame scores a touchdown later gets 10 points you know last you know last five minutes or something like that and that blows the blows the cover there but uh i don't know we'll, we'll have to see how that one goes but let's let's move on to the sugar bowl Mickey, uh, hear that. it's in the Superdome in New Orleans. This is a big one rematch from last year's Fiesta Bowl. We're talking number two, Clemson, number three, the Ohio State Buckeyes. The current line is Clemson laying seven and a half points over a touchdown favorite over the Buckeyes. Money line, Clemson's minus 325. The Bucks are plus 250. Totals right now at 66 and a half points. Mickey, break this one down for us, please. Well, you got a, you know a dichotomy here. Clemson's played a full schedule. They're coming into this game maybe peaking at the right time with what they were able to do with a very good Clemson team in the ACC championship. They played a full schedule, whereas Ohio State has only played five games. A lot of chatter about how Ohio State's rested. They played five games. We've talked about this on the podcast and on SportsBets1.com and some of our analysis. You know, Ohio State's yet to play a full game this season. Um, what I mean by that is they haven't shown up from the start to finish. They've played a half. They've played a complete half here, a complete half there, and they've had some inconsistencies. You know, that five-game, uh, they haven't gelled. They haven't fully peaked yet. So is that going to be an advantage to them or a disadvantage? Uh, we talked about the revenge factor from last year's loss. It's been a big motivation for Ohio State in the offseason. Uh, big motivation in their fight for the return to play in the in the in the Big Ten with with all the kerfuffle that was going on there earlier this season around COVID. Uh, they have a shot at Clemson again. Are they going to take that step? And then there's a subplot: Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. They meet again. Both five-star recruits in the same class. Both from Georgia. Both in the top three in the last 20 years in win percentage. Uh, I believe with a minimum of 15 starts. Jameis Winston, number two. They both they both have one loss as a college starter. They're probably both going pro after this season. Uh, it'll be an interesting tale of the tape uh, in comparing them and their careers. But a uh, lot going on in this game. Talent, equitable teams. Uh, Clemson giving a touchdown and a half right now. That line could move closer to kickoff. But, uh, you know, keys for the game, Maddie. Let's let's talk about them. Give me, uh, give me keys for the game for either Ohio State or Clemson. 
Well, I'll, I'll give you the Buckeyes because that's, as you know, I'm a, an alum there, and and that's where that's where I'm looking yeah. at. Uh, I think uh, they need tells to. Me we're going to talk about this game a little bit more than the last game, anyway. So, you know, jump in, cannonball into the pool. Let's Absolutely, go. and and not a problem doing that. So, I think the Buckeyes need to be able to run the football. Last year, when they played. J.K. Dobbins came out on fire, had like 200 yards going to the second quarter, twists his ankle, and the offense, you know, slowed down from there. That really created a lot of things off of that running game. I think for the Buckeyes, what we saw in the Big Ten championship game with Sermon really stepping up and going for over 300 yards, that offensive line just completely mauling uh, the undersized Northwestern D-line. That's a good thing for the Buckeyes. Uh, now, Clemson's D-line and, and defense in general is a lot more athletic and more talented than Northwestern. But if you're the Buckeyes, you want to see that running game really begin to gel. You want to see a player like Sermon really stepping up because between him and Master Teague throughout the season, you know, neither had really stood out significantly in their, in their uh, five previous games. And I kind of harken back to 2014 when, you know, the Buckeyes, a lot of talk was about, you know, Cardale Jones stepping in, but if you really look at what happened that really propelled them was that offensive line gelled. Ezekiel Elliott went for over 200 yards, I believe, in three straight games, including the Big Ten championship game, the semifinals against Bama, and then the championship against Oregon. Well, it's easy to forget with with Zeke Elliott, with what he's done coming out of Ohio State with that, what he's done in the NFL. Going into that Wisconsin Big Ten championship game, Zeke Elliott was just another running back. He, he hadn't even grabbed the title of their go-to guy yet. So what he was able to do there was, was break out. I don't want to say it's the exact same thing, but what Trey Sermon has done in their last two games, he's, he's wrestled away a lot of carries from Master T to be curious to see if he can wrestle the opportunity to shine on the big stage. 100% agree with where you're going with that. Yeah, very promising. And if you're the Buckeyes, if you can run the ball, that's going to make life a lot easier uh, when you look to the passing game, you know, the Buckeyes had a lot of challenges against Northwestern. And those of us that were watching the game and following along on Twitter, about every Buckeye fan in the world was just screaming on Twitter to run the dang football. And, you know, Ryan Day has a tendency to, if a run play doesn't work, to kind of go back and try a pass play. Uh, what I really think is if that run game does work, if they if they stick to it and then run some play action, work off that, but I really think for the passing and the work, they need Olave in the lineup. That really looked to hinder, you could, you could see the comfort level that Fields has had with Olave, and then you take him out of lineup outside of Garrett Wilson. It looked like they were forcing a lot of stuff to Garrett Wilson, and Clemson's going to be able to, to you know, double team or, or cover him pretty well. Venerables will, will see a couple drives and make adjustments, and if if Fields doesn't have trust in, in his other receivers, uh, if Olave is not in the lineup, then that's going to make them a very one-dimensional team in the passing game. And if they don't have a running game to complement it, they're going to be in, they're going to be in big trouble. Well, and that raises a question: What Justin Fields will we see? Um, Indiana was able to pressure Ohio State. Northwestern was able to pressure Ohio State. You alluded to Olave being out in the Big Ten championship game. It seemed to be that Fields honed in on Garrett Wilson. He had a, a big turnover, an interception when he was throwing a ball to Jameis Will, or Jamison Williams, where it looked like they were on different pages with what the expectation was. You know, what's his level of trust outside of Olave and Garrett Wilson, who are stud receivers who will both be playing in the NFL. They have a lot of other talent in their receiving core. Um, but and we saw this last year against Clemson, too. He, he looked shaky at times. He looked uncharacteristically shaky compared to what he looked like during last season. But this year against Indiana and Northwestern, they were able to get pressure against him. And he, he maybe struggled a little bit with the ability to see it coming and find the, the prime read in the offense and distribute the ball efficiently there. Um, you know, are we going to see him step up? More of a rhetorical question than a question directed directly to you, but will we see him step up? What, we, what are we going to see out of the Ohio State passing game to complement that run game? Yeah, well, and, and I, do think, I do think the Buckeyes' offense, if Sermon and the O-line can be at least somewhat of a threat on the ground, I think that's going to make the passing game. It's going to open some things up in the passing game, and, and you're going to see Fields make plays. He's, he's a phenomenal playmaker. 
I personally don't think the offense is going to be Ohio State's the, the, the biggest issue they have on that. I think their offense will be able to move the football enough. In the red zone, they're going to need touchdowns, not field goals. That sort of did them in going back to last year's game. Early, early in that game, they weren't able to punch in a bunch of touchdowns. They had to settle for a few different field goals. And that sort of gave Clemson the opportunity once Clemson got going. They weren't too far behind, could, could get that. But I, I think if you go to the other side of the football with the Buckeyes and – you know, you, you know, what are the keys for them? Well, on offense, it's the running game. It, it's having Olave and, and getting that passing game going. Those go hand in hand. But really, I think that the, the biggest key is going to be the Buckeyes defense. They have not looked anything like they did last year. There's no Chase Young on the D-line. Now, they do have a great D-line, but there's no game changer on that line that other teams are going to be game planning for, Who you know, a player that just disrupts everything. And that secondary, you know, there's they had Okuda on at the corner last year, and I believe Arnett uh, there. Uh, two in, first yeah. round picks at starting corner, and that's obviously uh, they don't maybe have that this year. Yeah, and I think that's going to be ends up end up being the biggest challenge is is their secondary going up against a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence and the receivers that Clemson have. How do they match up? I don't know if the Buckeyes are going to get the kind of pressure on him that, that they were able to, to, to do early in the game last year with, with guys like Chase Young and, and that other D-line. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see. But that's, that's the side of the ball I think is, is going to be tricky. How, how do you see the Buckeyes' defense faring? Yeah, I think it would be interesting. One of the big keys to the game for Clemson um, that I think will be important, you saw this last year against Ohio State in, this, in the Fiesta Bowl. You saw it against Notre Dame in the ACC Championship and that's how Clemson uses their quarterback run game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is a, a sneaky good athlete. He's a lot faster, I think, than a lot of people give him credit for. But we've seen um, multiple times when Clemson's playing a, a talent equitable team and they're trying to find opportunities on offense, they use Lawrence creatively in the quarterback run game. They, they show option. They show screen looks with the running back, and it turns out to be a QB power. And what they're trying to do is manipulate – the linebackers in the secondary to, to open up and move out of gaps, which end up being where the QB run powers through. You saw it against Ohio State last year, that big touchdown run that Lawrence had. Um, I believe it was Clemson's first touchdown of the game after uh, Sean Wade's ejection where um, they showed an, an option look and then the running back moved out and Baron Browning, the linebacker, followed the running back and opened up a hole where Trevor Lawrence shot through, got to the secondary, made one guy miss, and he was gone. Uh, that QB run game has been huge for Clemson. So, Matt, you talk about, Matt, you talk about the, the Clemson passing attack, and, and where I really think Clemson will set the tone is what they do with the QB run, how they tenderize that Ohio State defense. And as we saw against Ohio State last year saw against Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. They used that QB run to set up downfield pass plays, to set up one-on-one mismatches on the outside. And, and what you alluded to a second ago, that's been Ohio State's issue this year. This defense looks a lot like the defenses we saw two and three years ago, not the defense we saw last year that was really good against giving up big downfield pass plays. Uh, and uh, oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, one, one other note, and – that I think is going to be very interesting to see is how these two teams come out, you know, and I want to kind of slide to the intangibles. We've sort of been talking about matchups and per player personnel and things like that, but you had Dabo Sweeney ranked the Buckeyes number 11 in his final coaches poll. And a couple days after that, you know, some sort of backhanded compliments and, you know, breaking down tape. Oh, well, they only played five games or six games, whatever. And just, some little things, and obviously go back to the game last year where I think the Buckeyes feel like they let that one get away. And anyone that objectively watched that game would, would probably say the same thing. The Buckeyes controlled that game for the most part, and they, they let it slip through their, their fingers. Um, but how do these two teams come out? Does Clemson take on a mindset of their coach that thinks they're playing the number 11th ranked team in the nation? And do the Buckeyes come out with that chip on their shoulder? I mean, that's like the ultimate bulletin board material. So how, how that plays out and some of these little intangible things, uh, do we see the Buckeyes come out just fired up and, and, and playing as a team on a mission? Do we see Clemson 
do, do they come out fully focused or do they come out and maybe, you know, not really in, in fifth gear yet? And what happens? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, this is the, the national semifinal. So you, you sort of expect the best from both teams from the get go. But we are talking about 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids. And I know the Buckeyes probably feel like they've got a lot, you know, a pretty big chip on their shoulder from last year. And all the talk about should they be in the playoffs or not in the playoffs. And uh, I, I imagine this week it's only going to get worse. You know, they're a seven and a half point dog right now. And they're probably listening to um, the experts are probably going to be breaking this down. This is Trevor Lawrence and, you know, third year and going to be the future number one pick. And, you know, a lot of talks probably going to be an Alabama Clemson uh, national championship game. Uh, what I do think the Buckeyes have that Notre Dame doesn't have is I think the Buckeyes have a, an edge in talent compared to Notre Dame. They're equitable in talent with Clemson. Uh, now, they might have a couple player personnel groups that maybe lack a little bit of experience or really need to kind of find their groove and step up, but they definitely have the talent to match up across with Clemson across the, the line. So we'll see how that plays out. It should be a fun one to watch. Last year was one of the best football college football games that I've watched, and uh, I'm hoping – Hoping uh, it'll be another great one this year. That seven and a half point line. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see how things go over the, this week before kind of uh, decide on if that's uh, you know which side to jump on on that. Yeah, I agree with you in a lot of things. I I think there are two talent equitable teams. Uh, I do think Clemson has played more games this year and and has a better sense of what their identity is this season. Um, but you're right. There's a lot of bullets and board material. We talked about it on sportsbetsfun.com, how Dabo Sweeney cannot help himself when how he's uh, been putting down the Buckeyes and, and what that bullet and board material, it's going to lead to the bullet board in Ohio State's locker room. And as an Ohio State fan, we have, we have uh, flashbacks to when Urban Meyer was coaching Florida and went into a national championship game and in a game that Ohio State was supposed to dominate and all the bullets and board material that he motivated that Florida team to just dominate an Ohio State team. And, and I, I'm not saying the same thing's going to happen this year, but there's so much about Ohio State that they should be able to use for motivation. And that's on top of the fact that their whole point for trying to play this year is to avenge the loss against Clemson last year in a game that I agree with you. Objectively, they probably let it slip away. Kudos to Clemson for, for rising up and taking that win last year. But that Ohio State team left a lot on, on the, the field last year. So while I, I think there's a lot of motivation for this Ohio State team to go win that game, I just look at this season and look at the fact that Ohio State has not played but two games in the last six weeks and look at the fact that – or three games in the last six, seven weeks and look at the fact they haven't clicked yet on offense and look at the fact that Justin Fields, I think, has regressed. And I agree with what Brady Quinn was saying on Fox recently. He should come back next year, not be the number two overall pick, but actually come back and better his game because he hasn't looked like a quarterback that can pick apart defenses. That may change on January 1st. But this, to me, is an Ohio State team that um, is very talented, very good, but hasn't been able to put it together this year. And I, and I will they rise to the occasion? Maybe because it's been a motivating factor for them. But ultimately, I, I look at this a lot like last year's game. I think Clemson's going to win a close one. That seven and a half line. I'm most likely going to bet Ohio State plus seven and a half because my heart's going to lie in that. But uh, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of things that you would want to look at to pick Ohio State that are all um, not data-driven per se. And then uh, maybe you will look at a lot of the data-driven things and that might point to Clemson. Uh, this is going to be a tough one. I'm going to definitely watch it with my heart and my my brain. We'll see what happens. But I'm leaning Clemson right now and that uh, Ohio State probably getting, getting the points there might be my pick if I was betting this today. Absolutely. Well, we're, we'll be, well, I'm sure you, you and myself and, and Scotty will be talking more about this offline throughout the week uh, as it comes closer to January 1st. Well, as long as we don't make any uh, five-unit play alerts like we uh, ended up losing <laughs> with in that Alabama game, I think we'll all be fine when it's all said and done. Well, let's jump over to the New York, the New Year's uh, six games, and I believe there's four, four more of these games. Um, we have the Cotton Bowl, the Peach Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the Orange Bowl. Um, let's not dive into these as deep as we did for the two semifinals, but let's let's touch on them because there are some some worthy games here. Definitely some some 
good matchups and I think, you know, going to be some fun games to, to watch. Uh, we'll start in the Cotton Bowl and that we have Oklahoma versus Florida. I mean, these teams are two, you know, big time programs. They've met over the years and some, some big classic matchups. Uh, 2008, I believe is coming to mind. Uh, with Sam Bradford and, uh, and our urban Meyer down there in Florida. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, current money line or current line right now is Florida uh, laying two and a half, and Florida's at minus one fifty. Oklahoma one plus one twenty two on the money line, seventy one and a half points. Uh, yeah, this game definitely could. I could see that breaking that seventy one and a half. These these two offenses can get things going. Uh, but Mickey, what are your thoughts when you see this matchup? Well, I think it's an exciting matchup. You have two programs that in the last. You know, during the 2000s, you could argue have been uh, standard bearers or college football. Florida with Kyle Trask, we've been able to put points on the board all season long. They have athletes. They're you know, Scotty's not here to defend the SEC. They're obviously full of SEC athletes. Oklahoma, they they lost a couple early. Uh, Spencer Rattler, first year quarterback, taking over that offense for a departed Jalen Hurts. Uh, middle of the year, they started to turn it on, and, and I think we saw them over the, the this final stretch of the season, starting with the Oklahoma State game and, and concluding last week in the Big 12 championship game. This is a team that has picked up what you would expect a Lincoln-Riley team to do. I think this is going to be an exciting game. Uh, this might be the, the most exciting game of the remaining four New Year's Six ones just because of who's in it and the offense that's going to be happening there. That total is looking pretty enticing. The, the two and a half, uh, you know, I, Florida's probably going to win the football game. But this is one of those games where the SEC team might walk into it thinking that they're the SEC team and it's their, their gift to win this game. And Oklahoma actually comes and punches them in the mouth because it's not a playoff game and uh, has a shot of, of surprising them and, and winning. That's an interesting one. Yeah, and that's where, you know, these bowl games, especially outside of playoffs, they get so tough to predict because, you know, sometimes the team's there enjoying their sort of last ride of, of, of the new of the year. And then other teams coming in fully focused, just go try and hammer someone. Um, and this could be one of those, uh, but we'll, we'll find out. I, I'm kind of like an Oklahoma getting the points uh, because of kind of the – gelling at the end of the season. Now these two teams were to have played a few weeks ago. I, I'd probably be all over Florida, but uh, we'll see. I'm going to have to pay attention and track this one a little bit, a little bit closer. Cause you also have players that are going to be playing players who, who are going to opt out and we'll see. Um, but let's jump over to the peach bowl. Another sec team, Georgia. And this is, this is one of those classic matchups we see. It's the group of five highest ranked group of five teams, Cincinnati, uh, from the great state of Ohio, and they're going to be facing off against Georgia, who finished ranked in the top 10. I believe their only two losses were to Alabama and Florida. And, you know, had high expectations coming into the season. It took them about half the season and kind of get their quarterback situation figured out. They're coming into this game, and they're laying six and a half points. And Vegas has the total at 49 and a half. This is the classic. Is Georgia going to be motivated to play? If Cincinnati does win, does everyone point to Georgia and say, well, Georgia had nothing to play for, so you sort of discard the group of five game? I don't know. Mickey, how do you see this one shaking out? Well, you look at Georgia. They they underwhelmed in their games against Alabama and Florida. Their two losses or offense couldn't sustain. They finally moved to JT Daniels, the USC transfer, with three games left in the year, and their offense started humming. Uh, he looks like the real deal on this Georgia team in their final games of the season. Looked like the, the the Georgia team on both sides of the ball that we expected. That being said, there is that classic, are they going to be motivated? Um, in Cincinnati, a group of five team, they, they play a, a punch-you-in-the-mouth brand of football under head coach Luke Fickle, and they're, they're maybe not quite the same as some other group of five teams that play a wide-open spread offense that we've seen in these games in the past. Uh, one advantage for Georgia is last year they played a Baylor team in the Sugar Bowl coming off a year before they lost to Texas in one of those do they care games. And, and they had to deal with the, the whole talk of, you know, are, do you do you want to be here? Are you going to beat Baylor? Blah, 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 blah. So a lot of the guys in that roster have, have done this before. And, and I'm curious to see how they respond. Uh, 
I talked about this in the mailbag this week, that line at Georgia six and a half. Georgia should win this game by two or three touchdowns if if they show up to play, but you just never know in, in some of these games. I think Cincinnati's a, a good group of five team. I think they're better than some other group of five teams that have played in these games in the past. But uh, I, if, if Georgia's humming with JT Daniels, they, Cincinnati is, doesn't belong on the same field. And that's not – I agree with that. And I agree with that. And I'm liking Georgia – uh, laying six and a half a lot. And I think Georgia was kind of out of it early in the season. This isn't a team that made the SEC championship game, had a hope of maybe getting into the playoffs, and then those were dashed just a week or two ago. This is a team that really, after they lost to Florida, uh, they, they were out of it. They had two losses. They were probably surprised that they were ranked number 10 or 9 or 8. And I think having had that so early in the season – there isn't that, you know, I, I think that helps them. I think that they're now probably more focused on just getting better, getting better and improving. They found their quarterback. And I think they're not going to sleepwalk through this game. They're not going to be like, oh, man, we should have been in the college football playoffs. We blew it. So that's – that's. I'm trying to get in the head if I was in Georgia, and that's I, – I, I like that scenario where they've been out of this for a long time. They haven't even been – they haven't been thinking about college football playoffs since – early October whenever whenever they lost to Florida. So I'm liking Georgia to come in here with something to prove, interestingly enough. Normally we would say that about Cincinnati. And look, the Buckeyes beat Cincinnati for what, 42 nothing last year. Georgia's got similar level talent. I mean, this game, this game could definitely be a route. I, I do like Cincinnati. I like what Luke Fickle's done with them. If there is a group of five team that's going to compete and potentially knock off a team like Georgia, Cincinnati is that team. Uh, but we'll, we'll find out. Any last thoughts on this before we jump over to the Fiesta Bowl? Yeah, you know, again, I think Cincinnati's a good team. I think this matchup for them, if Georgia shows up, the way they played with JT Daniels under center the last three games, um, it's just a bad matchup for Cincinnati. Um, and that's no knock on, on the Bearcats. That's just that this is a potential playoff caliber talent team in Georgia that's playing to that level in the last three or four games. So. That's my thoughts on that. Um, the next game we're going to kick it over to is the Fiesta Bowl out in the Valley of the Sun. We've got Pac-12 champion Oregon versus Big 12 runner-up Iowa State. Current money line, Iowa State's favored by four and a half. Or sorry, current line, Iowa State favored by four and a half. Money line, Iowa State's paying out minus 215. Oregon plus 172. The total in this game as it stands today is 57 and a half. Uh, this is an interesting game. Maddie, what are your thoughts? Well, it is an interesting game. You have Oregon, who's you know played a, a short schedule, uh, but they—I don't even know if they were supposed to be in the Pac-12 championship game. I believe that was Washington's slot, and because Washington wasn't able to play, Oregon sort of backdoored their way in and then went and beat USC. So hey, they earned it. They—they they won on the field. Uh, Iowa State had a, a phenomenal year by by all standards that Iowa State has. Uh, but they they came out a little flat in the Big 12. Played a very good Oklahoma team in that in that championship game. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch the whole game, but I, I saw the the clips of their coach uh, Matt Campbell losing on the sideline on the the supposedly offsides call, and you know you could feel the frustration. You know, having been in and around sports and having coach sports and played sports you could feel the frustration they came out and they got down by a few touchdowns pretty early and that looked like a lot of frustration a lot of we had our chance this was this was our moment we could have done something great and gone and won the first uh conference championship for that school in over 100 years i believe but they came out and fell behind by a few touchdowns early now they came they clawed back and credit credit that team for clawing back and, and making that thing a game they had the ball on a drive and a chance to either tie or go win that thing. And uh, in the final minutes, but uh, you know, comparing them to Oregon, I don't know. I'm, I'm liking a lot Iowa state just, they, they played strong all season. And I think they played some better competition. They, they played Oklahoma twice, beat them once, lost them close in the big 12 championship. You know, they've had that adversity where Oregon did beat a, a good USC team, but yeah, no one's going to call them a great team. And I kind of go back to, and I think this is sort of where we're kind of thinking with Ohio State and Clemson. You have one team that's played 10 games and another team that's, you know, played five games. Just 
do you work out all the kinks when you played five or six football games over the course of a season? Have you found your, you know, players that maybe, you know, maybe emerge over the course of that season? Do they have those type of players? So I don't know. I, I'm kind of like an Iowa State in this, uh, but it, it should be a fun one. There'll probably be a lot of points scored, which the total suggests. And, you know, it should be a fun one to watch. Yeah, I, you know, I think Oregon State's the more talented team, but you you alluded to this. Um, they've only played a handful of games this year, and they lost two of those games. They backdoored their way into the Pac-12 championship, which they won, and they look good. They have more talent. I think Mario Cristobal is building a, a program in Eugene that in a year or two is going to be the gem of the Pac-12 and is going to be the Pac-12 team that's competing for a playoff spot. But they're not quite there right now, and they've had some uncertainty at quarterback this year after Justin Herbert graduated is, is starring in the NFL. Uh, Iowa State, it, they remind me a little bit of the little engine that could. They don't have any, uh, they don't have any game-breaking talent, but as uh, they like to say, they're a five-star culture. Um, and, and you know the way that they played, the fact they played a relatively full season during the COVID era this year, and the fact Oregon is is still maybe finding their way. Some of the the same. Aspects that we talk about with Ohio State, five games, they really know what they have. Have they figured it out? I don't think they figured out the quarterback thing yet. The Iowa State giving four and a half, they'll probably win the game because of what we just talked about, even though I do think Oregon is the more talented team top to bottom. I, I just think Iowa State comes in with a better quarterback and they're more battle tested because they played more games this year and have, have, have uh, improved as the seasons went on. Well, let's jump over to the Orange Bowl. Um... Another interesting matchup, you have Texas A&M finished in the final rankings of the college football playoff at number five. There was chatter, should they be the fourth team in, either over Notre Dame or potentially Ohio State, that did not come to fruition. And talk about a team that maybe feels like they could have, should have, would have been in the playoff and then is now stuck playing. They are playing a Power 5 opponent in North Carolina, but the Tar Heels finished what six and three this year, seven, seven, and, seven and three. You know, it's not a it's not a big name program. You know, Mac Brown's doing a, a solid job with with North Carolina. But yeah, I kind of wonder if A and M's going to be when you start looking at the landscape of these bowls. You know, which team sort of maybe sleepwalks into this? I'm kind of wondering if A and M might not be that team. Uh, they are laying seven and a half points, and Vegas is predicting 67 and a half total. So points to be scored. Both teams have pretty good offenses uh, on paper. Although AM hasn't put up quite the, quite the points uh, that, that you kind of expected in some of their victories over teams like Vanderbilt and, and, and others. But Mickey, when you're looking at this, I, I know you, you were predicting a and to get into the playoffs and they were right there on the cusp. Um, and I know you've, you've been following North Carolina. They made you some money at some times this year with Mac Brown and, and that offense that they have. What are you liking about this game? Well, first I thought A&M was in the queue to where if a team fell off, they, they would slide out necessarily were angling for them to get in. I thought they were, what's the term, you know, the bar, the lights come on at the bar at two o'clock in the morning and you just grab the one that's there. That's what I thought Texas and Texas A&M might've been to the committee. But uh, I look at this game, Texas A&M is a, is a good team. They're a good, but not great team. They're on the, the cusp of taking a step into the elite, but they're, they're a good, good to great team. North Carolina is building that. I think Mac Brown has brought in some recruits. Sam Howell, the quarterback, has been amazing his two seasons. The recruiting has, has gone up at North Carolina. I, you know, We talked about Oregon being a team that's one or two years out from being the gem of the Pac-12. How North Carolina has been recruiting under Mac Brown. They're one or two years out from potentially challenging Clemson as, as a worthy adversary in the ACC, something Clemson hasn't had since Florida State was, was competing for championships a, a few years ago. Um, so when I look at this game, it's it's – one is a and are they going to are they going to care they were so close to a playoff at least it appeared they were close to a playoff are they going to show up ready to play uh, jimbo fisher's bowl record would suggest they will show up but then you look at north carolina how close are they to taking that step are they still a year or two out are they on the the cusp of going from a, a good team to a, a good almost great team under what mac brown is selling so 
Um, we'll learn a lot. One game, we like to make snap judgments on one game in college football to set up a whole team's following season, especially during the bowl year. Uh, this game is that for North Carolina. If they come out and, and, and put forth a sterling effort, we're going to look at them as uh, uh, the team that's going to challenge Clemson next year. And they're going to be way overranked in the polls. Um, if A&M comes out and lays an egg, it's, it's going to be a, a hangover. But I'm curious. See, I'm, I'm actually big on North Carolina. I think there's good value to be had in this game with them getting seven and a half. I, I think they have a lot to prove. They do have some star players that are opting out of this game. But I think their offense and what to expect uh, out of them and what they want to prove, it should be a, a good value play from a, the gambling standpoint. I think A&M will win the game. But I think North Carolina is going to keep it tight. Yeah, and I haven't had a chance to really dig too much into this, but I, I do think it'll be a fun one to watch. These two teams are going to put some points on the board, and you know they do have some talent on that field, so it'll be it'll be a fun one. Uh, you know which players are playing, which ones are opting out. You know that all can throw a wrench into sort of how how it shakes out. But uh, I'll, I'll be looking forward to to flipping around and, and catching a little bit of this game uh, next weekend. So, well, Mickey. Let's let's move on from these games. There's a lot of them, and, and we'll watch them all and have a have a good time uh, on the first uh, going through these games. But let's get uh, let's get to our picks, shall we? Yeah, money making picks. Uh, you know, Scotty's not here. Normally, we like to kick it to him first, but I will dive in, uh, folks. It's the season of giving, and Sports Bets Fun is giving you some money-making picks that you can tail and put money in your pocket. Uh, before we dive in, make sure you follow the show on Twitter, at Sports Bets Fun. Check out our unique, original, authentic content that we're putting out on SportsBetsFun.com, including our picks. This week, I have three NFL picks. I'll continue my college betting on uh, the 29th when we're back in action there. But first off, we're heading to Maddie Money's backyard, literally and figuratively. Carolina heading to Washington to take on the football team. The Washington football team is giving one to the Panthers. It's basically a pick em. One team is playing for their playoff lives, and there's a good chance they'll have Alex Smith back under center to complement their stud deep. Even with Mr. Strip Club, Dwayne Haskins, Washington is winning this one. Take them, lay in the point, easy money in your pocket. Duval! That's right, Jacksonville FLA. The Chicago Bears are rolling into town to take on the Jags. The Jags, in prime position to land Trevor Lawrence, number one in the NFL draft, aren't going to win this one. But the Bears giving seven and a half to Bears? They haven't earned that line, especially on the road. The Jags lose, but cover that seven and a half point. Then Monday night, are you ready for some football? A Monday night party, a steak dinner boom, lock of the week. The Buffalo Bills hosting the New England Patriots at home on Monday night football. The Bills are laying seven, but this game will be cathartic for all of Western New York and the AFC's champion Bills to take out 20 years of frustration on the Patriots. The Bills are going to roll, win by at least two scores. Bills laying the points, minus seven. Mark it, dude. This is a state dinner boom, lock of the week. And as all of you know, there's only two ways to enjoy steak, and there's one way to enjoy steak, and that's with a smile on your face and cold iron cash in your pocket because you made money on the steak dinner boom, lock of the week, which is the Bills laying seven. I love it, Mickey. And you mentioned Scotty's not here. I do have a couple picks he texted in. So two picks in the NFL. He's going... Tennessee Titans money line and the Los Angeles Rams money line picks. So make sure you tail him. He's had a lot of success picking those NFL games. And in college basketball, I like this pick a lot too. We're talking Drake uh, laying four points versus Indiana State tomorrow. Scotty's got three units on this play. So I uh, got to love that. Uh, we collabed on a pick earlier this week, had, had some big success. So I'm liking that. I only got one unit on it, but that's Drake minus four versus Indiana State. I have two other picks tomorrow right now. I'm looking at DePaul getting six and a half versus Providence and Missouri State getting seven and a half versus Northern Iowa. I'm liking those dogs. 
and a couple other games I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Got to see what the lines look like. They haven't been out uh, at at the time we went to the show here, and that's Youngstown State versus Cleveland State. Cleveland State just hammered Youngstown State today uh, by about 20 points, even though I believe that line going into the game was only a, a point. And then Oakland uh, versus Detroit Mercy. I had I had Detroit Mercy today. They were controlling the game up double digits at one point. Uh, they were given three and a half, and Oakland came back to, to win the force overtime, then win the game in overtime. So the dog won there. But uh, I like Detroit Mercy. I just got to see what that line looks like. And same thing with the Youngstown State, Cleveland State. So when those lines come out, keep an eye on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at Maddie Money Bets. And you'll see those picks drop uh, probably tomorrow morning. Uh, not ready to make any picks on the college football playoffs in the New York New Year's Six games. Uh, those are all tough to gauge. But follow us on Twitter. Uh, my handle, follow at Mickey San Reno, at Scotty Betts. And, of course, follow the show at Sports Bets Fun. And you'll see those picks coming later this week along with uh, college basketball uh, throughout the week. So, there you have it. We, might, we might even have an emergency uh, playoff pod. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. And uh, a lot of action, a lot of fun to be had. So it'll be an exciting one. Uh, but, Mickey, before we get out of here, man, uh, anything from Johnny Dogs or, or Mad Max? Well, yeah, check out Johnny Dogs. He's got his uh, weekly teaser up on sportsbetsfun.com. He's got the Bears teased down to a point and a half and the Bills teased down to one. Uh, he's taking a little bit uh, lower risk version of the picks that I made here tonight. And he also has uh, got a few straight bets and an over-under, a bonus over-under. Johnny Dogs likes to uh, avoid those. So check out that on sportsbetsfun.com. Mad Max's picks are going to be up tomorrow. He's got a few. He's got Pittsburgh minus one versus Indy. He's got Kansas City laying ten and a half against Atlanta. The Chargers laying three against Denver. Seattle given one to the Rams and the Cowboys. How about them, Cowboys? Uh, dogs against Philly. Home dogs against Philly. He's got them plus three. So those picks will be on sportsbetsfun.com tomorrow. But that's what we got from Johnny Dogs and Mad Max. Excellent. And keep an eye out on Twitter. Uh, if we get some picks in from Charlie Cash, we'll also post those as well. So check out the website and follow us on Twitter. You'll get a, a lot of picks, make a lot of, make a lot of money uh, tomorrow and throughout this week. So Mickey, this is our last show of the year and we're looking forward to doing this all again, maybe before the end of the year, but if not, we'll be rolling into 2021 and we're looking forward to have Scotty Betts back with us. Scotty be good. Scotty, Scotty part-time. And uh, yeah, and it'll, it'll be fun, man. And, uh, We've had a good run. This is our 15th episode. So thank you to all our listeners out there. We appreciate that. And check out our website, sportsbetsfun.com. Follow us on Twitter at sportsbetsfun. Have fun watching all the games, all the college basketball, all the football, all the bowl games that are going on uh, between now and next time. And we hope you make some money too. It'll be, uh, it'll be some good times. Happy betting out there. From Mickey San Reno, Scotty Be Good, our friends Charlie Cash, Johnny Dogs. And Mad Max, I'm Maddie Money. Thank you for tuning in to Sports Bets Fun. Peace.